morning. Good morning to you online, too, if you're online joining us. So happy that you're here. I feel like uh, after preaching so many weeks, that this motion of holding this table, I can feel it in my back. I'm seeing growth. Wow, muscle growth. Okay. I don't know why they just came on me right now, but uh, I'm super excited to be jumping into this series on Fruit of the Spirit, uh, beginning to walk through what does it look like to, to carry this spiritual fruit in our life, uh, how is it to be on display, and what Jesus has to say about being rooted in him. And I, I don't know if uh, you were around a few weeks ago, I began to tell you about this playset that I set up at my house in my backyard. This playset is awesome. It was a gift to us, but like many of you, I, I, I shared that I was just uh, really slow on setting it up. So I figured my neighbors might be doubting me, right? And they weren't. I talked to some of them, and, and they weren't, so thankful. But throughout this process uh, in setting up this playset, uh, my brother-in-law and I began to dig uh, to firmly set this playset in a safe place. And as we began to dig, we realized there were roots uh, deep within the ground, um, but we were kind of taken back, or at least I was. My brother-in-law is smarter than me, so he probably wasn't as much, but I was, and I was taken back and said, wow, there's not a tree within maybe 20 yards of where we are, yet there's these roots uh, far and wide and deep and strong currently presently where we're digging. And in this process, it really began to illuminate to me uh, the idea of uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit and how uh, the fruit we want to um, show off in our life, the fruit we want to produce in our life, must actually start with our spiritual root in Christ. It must begin in a place where we've surrendered to Him in order to then see the fruit and the way we should live through Him in our life today. And in Galatians 5, we're going to begin our series today, and I'm just going to preface for you this morning. We're going to do kind of two parts. Uh, one, we're going to introduce, uh, introduce the series in general. We're going to mention a bit of love, and then we're going to complete love next week and then jump into joy and complete that as well. And so just so you know, if we seemingly pause at an end of our seat moment with speaking through love, that's the plan. I give you some homework uh, for this week, and then we jump into uh, love and joy next week as well. Um, I hate the word homework. I don't know why I said that. It's not homework. It's God work, you know, good work. I don't know, whatever. Uh, so anyways, that's kind of the framework of this morning. But like I said, we who belong to Jesus through salvation, who have surrendered to him as Lord and Savior, we have inherited this Holy Spirit in our life. That is God in us as we are in him to then produce these spirit fruits that we see among us. But yet, like I said, we need to begin at where we are to be rooted to see the producing of the fruit, and which we'll talk about in Galatians. And so let's go to John 15. John 15 is this, these words of Jesus. And like we've mentioned many weeks before, when we read Jesus' words, they're really important. All of God's word is important, breathed by him, but these are the words of the Son of God as well. And so we get to sit in them uh, in a different perspective, a unique moment of hearing from Jesus himself. And these are his words in John 15, uh, and the meaning of what it looks like to be rooted in him. And he illuminates this in a beautiful way. In John 15, 1, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word we were able to read this morning, the words from your one and only Son, Jesus, and many more from your apostles, uh, God, that you've directed to direct us. And God, may we uh, understand the depth and width of your word, that we're able to live by it and trust it for everlasting life through our faith in you, Christ. And so I pray as this word illuminates what it looks like to be rooted in you, God, that you would make it so. We be people rooted in you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is so beautiful because Jesus begins to illuminate a, a picture of a vine and branches and a gardener. And maybe you, unlike me, think of how you garden your house. Because again, I'm not, a gar I'm not good at gardening my house, okay? I'll just throw that out here, all right? But maybe you um, are good at pruning and gardening and taking care of the fruits uh, or, or trees or things around your home. And you can begin to think through this process, this imagery that Jesus is using here, the display between God as our heavenly father, as, as the father of Jesus, who is the gardener, and Jesus being the ever so important vine, the ever so life-giving vine that gives life to the branches. But in verse two, we see this fail to bear fruit and it is cut, but yet prunes to bear more fruit, pruning this act of Cleansing, And again, you think of this maybe at your own home where you prune away plants so they further more fruit. But yet you know if a plant fails to further the fruit, you then cut it off so it may die and you restart. And we see almost this eternally consequence if we do not bear fruit in Christ. To be cut off and thrown into the fire. This eternal consequence that we must, friends, be rooted to then produce the very fruit that we'll be journeying through in this sermon series together. Verse 3, Jesus says, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And this isn't contextualized to the people he's speaking to here, but also in the words we know and that are spoken to us in his word, even now so. We have been through this process of, of, of redemption, of accepting Christ, and are on this illuminating process of further sanctification, being cleansed, pruned to his glory. Verse 5 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, although verse four right before, remain in me and I also in you, ever so tightly like a vine in its branches, remain in me so then I also in you. You think of this abiding feature that we can have with Christ and this relationship that we're welcomed into and abiding in him. Our hope and our trust and our faith rest in him. He carries it and perfects our faith to be. Yet he also says, I abide in you. Later in our time together, we begin to see how the Holy Spirit is this proof of the abiding within us and how beautiful that God invites us into that relationship so we may bear fruit. But mention this, what Jesus says in John 15, 8. 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Our faith in Christ is solely what saves us, friends. But the fruit we produce is what shows it. Our faith is our salvation in Christ. That is our saving grace. But the fruit we produce here on earth as faithful followers is what shows it for God's glory to those around us. The way we walk, the way we step, and here in a moment, the way we are, are, are encouraged to step in the spirit and then thus produce fruits in us is what shows it. We are to continue in this life to be cultivating a life that is fruitful for the Lord and his glory, that is fruitful for what he wishes and he wills us to be fruitful in. And here in Galatians, before we even get into it, we see this moment of Paul delivering this mighty message of what it looks like to have the fruit of the Spirit. And not that we are able to obtain it, but yet through obtain through Christ, able to express it from Christ to others around us too. So we're going to jump into Galatians 5. Galatians 5, um, like I said, is this point where, where Paul really focuses on how we can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. But let's back up a little bit and kind of see the, the projection of the book. Because Galatians as a total reminds Jesus' followers to embrace the gospel message. Uh, but, and that he justifies us through faith, but also empowers them to live like Jesus. How God empowers us through the Spirit to live like Jesus. And so Galatians 1 and 2, those chapters are these moments where Paul is vividly expressing to embrace the gospel message of Christ crucified. That's the only true gospel, good news message from God that we can receive. Anything else that is opposite, we must reject. Only embrace the good news of Christ and that we are found in salvation, found justified before God in this process of continually being sanctified, made new in him through our life. In, verse, in chapters 3 and 4, we see uh, Paul illuminating how we're in a, a godly, ethnic, 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 you know, wide family. That, that God's family is multi-ethnic, diverse, is big and wide. We come from different walks and families and backgrounds. And yet in all of this, he wants us all to walk together by his spirit. And then in verse, or chapters 5 and 6, that God's entire family then, wide and large, different backgrounds and people, are able to be transformed and renewed and continually, continually found faithful in the spirit of Christ as we abide in him and so then he and us. So we're going to jump to Galatians 5, verse 16 through 26, and begin to really uh, see Paul's words for what are the fruit of the Spirit, but what is its opposite in, the, in what I would call the fruit of our flesh, and begin to dialogue and think through that, and then start a little bit of love, and then uh, close our time together for next week. So Galatians 5, 16, we're going to start there. If you have your Bible uh, with you on your phone or there's a Bible under your chair, you can grab that. There's a page number on the screen. Galatians 5, 16 says this. This is Paul. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And pause. We see this vast section here where Paul is vividly explaining what the fruits of our flesh consists of. And now we all pause and realize how sinful we really are. How much in need we are of a savior to come and save us from such fleshly, sinful, worldly desire that is completely opposite than the desire and will and want for your life in Christ. We then see through this in in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have been crucified, have been crucified the flesh and with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Paul writes these two different indicators, illuminating right where we are, but inviting us, but in step with the Spirit, we may be found fruitful as we're rooted in Christ. I think of my daughter, Della, she's uh, about three, and I don't know, if you have kids in the room, there may be this moment where they grow up and they begin to want to stay in step with you, so they stand on your feet and begin to walk, right, and you kind of walk them, it's like I'm a big stilt for her, kind of, you know, walking her around, and the similar can be said true about the way we walk with Christ, that we want to imitate our every walk and be in step with what he would truly like to desire and want for our life. It's almost like in a similar fashion of my three-year-old and what we can do in our adult life is step on the heels or on the direct feet of the spirit and so being in direct step with where God would like to lead us and guide us, where God would like to see us fruitful as we have uh, faith in him. But did you notice that opening statement by Paul? He says explicitly that in verse 16. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The separation, the difference between our desires of our flesh and, our, and the Holy Spirit's desires in us are so completely opposite that if we are in step and walk with the Spirit, we cannot desire anything of our flesh, for we are in step and walk with Christ. Our flesh desires what's opposite of the Holy Spirit, yet if we walk, we may not gratify our flesh. We will not. And this imagery of walking, I think, is so beautiful because we use it every day. Most of us in some way, walking or going or traveling from place to place is a connection from A to B. And maybe you think of it as a walk down Heritage Trail, which I haven't totally experienced yet, okay? I'm only a year and a half in, you know, still two years into Dubuque life. I hear so much about Heritage Trail, it better be as awesome as all y'all say, okay? It's got to be great. But this imagery Paul uses in definition to the way the Spirit is compelling us is not only by when we're physically walking or going from place to place, but yet in every way, in every step, I follow and submit to the lead of the Holy Spirit, Christ within me, a personhood of God in me, day by day, moment by moment, step by step, in my consistent walk through life. So if we walk by the Spirit, what fruits are on display? We read in verse 22, Love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking, and envying one another. 
this singular fruit, friends, is to be produced in all of us by the Spirit abiding in us, me and you, from Christ. Paul uses, and not by any mistake, the, the singular term for fruit, because in it, it's a completion of the works, the Spirit, the spirit at work in us, to bring to fulfillness through us each of these things, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So today we get to start and dive into where it all begins with love. And what a perfect day for this, right? Like God really figured that, because it's Mother's Day, we get to celebrate all you amazing women and the Lord, and we love moms. Um, it's such a perfect day for that. But it all starts with love, and if we know anything about love, it begins, we begin to understand that it's the foundation of our faith as we remember these two greatest commandments. Turn with me to Mark 12, 30 through 31. Mark 12, 30 through 31. Because I want you to read these for what they are as well. These two greatest commandments that Jesus translates to us here. Translated from what is to be to, to what is to be known through Christ. Mark 12, 30 through 31 says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Love is our foundation. I, I'm not even surprised that the Spirit first and foremost mentions love to be this place where we begin. And the Greek word for love that we see it in Galatians and throughout the way God interacts with love with us is agape love. Agape is the Greek word. You can you learn some Greek today. Agape. Agape love. This love, it means to serve a person's for their person's sake. That they're made in the image of Christ, so you serve them for that very own fact. Not of your own. This is the deepest, purest way to express love. And we experience it through Christ. We know that and see that. And I think when we think of love and different, uh, the different fruit we walk through throughout the series, most likely we will encounter moments where we see a counterfeit and opposite. And this is where I get to tell a fun story of a student uh, who I have recently. And, and what's so unique about love and the way we can grow to understand it really well is we must know the true definition, defining factor of it. Otherwise, it's hard to, to spot counterfeits. And I was thinking of a, of a student recently, like I said, I, I'd kind of put him in charge of the snack shack, and he did an amazing job. And if you don't know that term, the snack shack is a shack-like thing that has snacks on it, okay? that students can buy during student night. So it's the best, it's awesome. They're like dollar snacks. We call it the snack shack. No, it's not technically a, sh a shack, but it's for snacks. You know, it's all that kind of stuff. So I know, very clear definition. But anyways, he was in charge of the snack shack and making sure that people paid and that it was organized, that he put out more snacks if they were needed. Throughout this process, I'd come up to him. He's an incredible leader, did an amazing job. I'd come up to him and just for fun, he began to just look at the dollar bills that students were giving over to him to see if they were real. And I'm like, that is so unique and amazing and good. But what I recognize is I'm like, how do you know it's real? Well, I can spot a real dollar bill by the way I've learned to spot it and the way I learned to know it. You see this line and it's like this magic that you know, the government does to make sure it's real. You know, put something, insignia, all this kind of stuff. I could have done much more research on that, but just know it's in there, okay? And as far as that, he's like, I know how to spot the real thing. And so I know when it doesn't look like this, that it's fake, it's a counterfeit. I'm like, okay. So he knew what was real and what to look for and knew how to spot a fake that didn't look like it. And when I think about love, I think of the very same thing 
that as we've experienced our love through Christ, we know the true, free, loving definition of love from God, that we can spot the fake things when we see them because of the way we've experienced true love through God. And I find uh, that's such a real predicament in our culture today because oftentimes in our world we look around and many are looking for real love in a world full of counterfeit expressions of it. Not real expressions of it. Uh, selfish expressions of it, which are counterfeit. And we'll get into that more as we go on. God is our defining factor of what real love is. We see that illuminated in 1 John 4, 7. If you want to turn with me there, 1 John 4, 7. We're going to walk through this passage kind of step by step. And right after this, we're going to conclude just our moment this morning on love before we get to action steps next week. But if we're looking for real love, we must start with God who defines the real love that we're all looking for. 1 John 4, 7. We're going to break it up into sections. I'm going to speak through it as I go. Uh, just not to throw you off, but you can, you can follow along with me too. Uh, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. See, John here in 1 John is defining love here as God. God is love. It's an essential part of his being, his existence. He is love. Through God's compassion and might, we see this mighty love, right? Through a sacrifice of Jesus. Let's continue in verse 9 that explain, explains this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Jesus is our pathway to experiencing true love, my friends. True agape love, selfless love, true deep and wide love is found in Christ and defined by God. This is how we see real love. If God loved us so much, I love in verse 11, and we ought to love one another. Remember that greatest command we mentioned just moments ago, to love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And now we're beginning to see this abiding factor of God living in us. If we are in Christ, we're new creations. God in us, but also us in Christ. If we are to live a life where God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression through us, how might our love change the world around us? Like truly, if we, can, if we can say the world around us is looking for a, a true love but cannot find an expression of it worthy enough outside of God, then the way we love must be ever, ever so deep and real as we found it in Christ that could truly change the lives around us in the way we do so. Verse 13, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have, have God living in them, and they live in God. How might God give us in love by the Holy Spirit this spiritual proof that we are in him? And then thus being rooted in him, this outward scene 
producing fruit that we're able to live by each and every day. If you've placed your faith in Christ, you've accepted God's love. You've experienced it. You have the standard. You have the defining factor. And yet now are compelled and called to share it. You know it, that true love comes from God, if you've found it to be so true um, in your own personal life. You've experienced it to be so true. You think back just, just a moments ago when we were in the scriptures and, and how I said we all notice how sinful and desperate of a Savior we really are by Paul explaining the, the complete opposite of the desires of the Spirit in us. With our flesh and our own desire, we are faulty and broken. We can only lead and live out more brokenness without Christ within us to lead in to new life. This counterfeit love now we see as selfish, self-seeking, um, where, where you might uh, find yourself in relationships or friendships, moments that you are looking to get as much out of it as you can and not thinking first of the person uh, you're next to or you're with. This self-seeking, self-righteous, convenient love um, is the counterfeit to what the true love we can experience in Christ really is. And we've just really begun to um, hit the iceberg here. And, and this morning, I need to pause, and we'll pick up the rest of our time uh, next week and then jump into joy as well. Um, but what does it look like for you to, to really begin to um, root yourself in Christ on your every day? Uh, to be rooted in Christ would then show us to produce fruits in Christ um, through the fruit of the Spirit we're going to dive into, but also in love. And so what would it look like for you to take time throughout your day to walk in step with him by the reading of the word and um, consistent uh, prayer in your, in your life, but also through growing in groups together and, and, and serving one another? What would it look like for you to continually surrender your way and your walk to God's way and will for your life so you may be found fruitful um, today, tomorrow, and in the end. And so I'm going to pray for our time. We have a uh, child dedication coming up, so I'm going to pray for that uh, here in a second. But I'm going to pray for our time closing here, and then I'm going to introduce you to a family who are, who's dedicating a child this morning. So let's go ahead and pray and wrap up. Jesus, I thank you so much that you um, have given us the true definition of love, Father, through your great sacrifice for our life. And God, I ask that you would um, bless us on our journey of growing and understanding what it looks like to truly love like you, um, that is different than, than maybe we experience in our culture and experience in our world. But God, that we've experienced from you, Christ, who've set us free. And so God, I beg and ask of you as we continue this journey through Fruit of the Spirit, and we've just really began to um, uh, open up uh, you know, the whole picture and idea of what it looks like to, to abide in you and you and us and further walk with you. God, I pray that you would bless us, that you would keep us close to you and help us see your truth, help us understand your word and help us see where you're guiding us, Father. And I thank you and praise you for this morning and even this next moment of dedicating a child to you, God, um, and parents dedicating themselves to you in their walk with you. Lord, we love you and trust you and commit all this time to you in Jesus' name.